in your Bible, Psalms chapter 3. A lot of times when I get my sermons ready, I say, Lord, what do you want me to speak? What do you want? Lord, what, what is it that the people need? And this week has been a week of a lot of turmoil. Um, there have been a lot of people who have told me about deaths. Uh, there are people that's been in the hospital uh, this week. A lot of prayer requests about people dealing with pain or certain circumstances. There's been um, a lot of pain, a lot of pain this week. And so the Lord was showing me um, that this would be a good, uh, something good to share uh, with you. And I hope that it would be a blessing and an encouragement to you. What I'm, who I'm talking to in the room today, and I know that, I know, you know that uh, me being your pastor, you guys know that I love to step on toes, right? I love to get all up in your business, right? Um, but the Lord will say, I need you to really be, really strive to be an encouragement today. Really strive to be an encouragement today. So I want to talk to the person that's hurting today. I want to talk to the person that's going through it today. I want to talk to the person that's been feeling like they haven't had their provisions met. I'm talking to the person today that, uh, that feels like they haven't been finding their healing. I want to talk to the person today that feels like they've been going through it and, it's, and they can't see the way out. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today. Let's read Psalm chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. I love reading David's writing because David personified what it went through to go through pain. And he did what many of us don't do, is brought it to the Lord. And sought the Lord for his peace, and sought the Lord for his healing, sought the Lord for, this, for his provision. In this psalm, David wrote this because one of his sons, Absalom, was trying to seek his life. Imagine the day where your child is trying to kill you. He already had enough from King Saul and from those people. He had enough from just a lot of terrible things happening in his life. I mean, David was someone who was set up for promise, but found hardship and trials all the day of his life. By the way, David was called to be a king. And even kings go through trials. Even kings go through trials. But today I want to talk to you about a message that I've entitled, Staying Afloat. Staying Afloat. Because oftentimes I think about the disciples and how they were going across after the feeding of the 5,000. They went across and Jesus Christ said, go ahead, I'll meet you over on the other side. And they're going and they're in their boat and the storm comes and their boat is taken in water and it seems like they're not going to make it. 
I think about what it was like for Noah. Not Noah, Jonah, excuse me, for Jonah. And Jonah was out there, and, and he was in that boat, man. The storm came, and they, had, they were trying to bail water out, and they were, the waves were taking over it. You know, sometimes when you're in your boat, even though the boat is meant to keep you afloat, sometimes your boat can take in water. And if you are anything like me, sometimes your boat has taken in water. And you are this close to sinking. Can I encourage you today on what to do when you're taking in water? Because it's going to be in these times when you are taking in water that my words won't be enough for you. The the words from your friends are not going to be enough. The words from your family are not going to be enough. And they mean well, and we mean well, and we want to encourage you. But there are some times where no one can do for you what the Lord can. Amen. And sometimes as a Christian, it sounds like it's a cliche. Rely on the Lord, rely on the Lord, rely on the Lord. Someone said, man, you guys use Jesus Christ as a crutch. I said, nah, man, he's not a crutch. He's my whole stretcher. They wheeling me around on that thing, man. You you got it completely misconstrued. I want to talk to you about staying afloat. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for your son and for sending him down the cross for our sins. Lord, sometimes we go through trials in our life and it's hard to navigate through them. But Father, I pray that you would help us as we delve into your word and talk about what to do when we see, feel like we're taking in water that we will learn that you are the life preserver that helps us to stay afloat. And we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. We're talking about staying afloat. If you're a note-taking person, point number one comes from verse number one. It said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Number one, if you really want to stay afloat, y'all want to learn how to stay afloat? Who's with me? You want to learn how to stay afloat when those trials come? Because remember, you are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or are right about to go into one. All right? It's a cycle that's meant to, number one, purify you, not, not consume you, but to make you a stronger child of God. But what do you do when you're taking in water? Number one, get your eyes off of your problem and on to God. Get your eyes off of your problem and on to God. The very first thing that David said in this psalm is, Lord, how are they increased? that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. What David did in that very first verse is the same thing that many of us do. We go to God and start complaining about our problems instead of going to our problems and telling them about our God. Let me slow that down for you. What we start doing is we start going to God and complaining about our problems instead of going to our problems and telling them about our God. We sing that song, Our God is greater our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Do you actually believe it? Do you actually believe those words that you sing? That's why I encourage you not to just read the hymns and just look at words and just sing it because you have it from memory. That's why when we do these praise songs, I try to tell you to not, man, Miss Penny, you are singing that song, and yes, you have a gorgeous voice, and yes, you play greatly on the piano, but what I was listening to were those words. When the world is all that it could be, blessed be your name. When there, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. When the world's coming down on me, blessed be your name. Those words were speaking to me. We got to get to the point where we start saying, God, my problems are big, but you are bigger. You are bigger. 
And by the way, as you grow as a child of God, every time you get through a trial, a stronger trial will come. Do you understand that? Every time you get through this trial, but if you, remember we talked about knowing your enemy this morning in Sunday school? And if you can get to the place where you can say, I understand that God had brought me through this great thing, I am now in a place where I am spiritually strong enough to handle more. And so what is God going to do? He's going to turn up the heat on you. But when you start going through trials, what we have to do is get to a place where we get our eyes off of our problem and onto God. Church, something amazing happened yesterday. Yesterday, um, after the church cleanup day, um, I, I knew Brother Mike and JJ were out doing some stuff. And so I said, hey, what you guys doing? And they said, man, we're going to go to Walmart. I got to pick some stuff up. Well, that's on my way home. So I passed by there and said, hey, I meet you at, at Walmart. And when we came out of Walmart, we had just got done walking around. We went to the GameStop and some other things. And we were coming out. Um, and we're, they're walking me to my car. And when we were walking to my car, there was a couple standing right there. And they were just talking. And so right in front of my car door, I can't even get in. So I said, okay, I'll just stay here and just wait. When they turned around, they said, sorry, we didn't mean to block you. We were praying. And I said, oh, well, then pray for me. And, 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 and they said, what, what do you need prayer for? I said, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor at Orlando Baptist Temple, and, you know, we have some needs and some other stuff, and we're just praying for the Lord to just uh, fill our storehouses and for us to be able to just grow. And they said, Really? We're pastors, too. And long story short, we ended up standing in the middle of the Walmart parking lot in a circle, holding hands and praying, talking about the Lord and just praying. As we're praying, we hear someone, I hear, my eyes are closed, and we're praying, and I hear someone said, hey. So I looked up, and he said, can I join? I mean, random people in the parking lot at Walmart walking up to us to want to join our prayer circle. So we're sitting here for about an hour, right, Brother Mike? About an hour or so, maybe a little longer. We sat there and just discussed the Lord, and we just spent some time just praying. Amazing, amazing time. I also found out that all three of the people, including the man that walked up, they all have private counseling practices. And all three of them gave me references for when I do my internship when I'm done with college. I don't believe in coincidences. But one thing that happened is everyone in that circle, man, that, everyone in that circle, they had needs, and we, what we did, we just brought it to the Lord. Just brought those, those needs to the Lord. What we have to do as children of God is start getting our eyes off of our problem and onto the Lord. There was one woman there. Her name was Yvette. And Yvette, I don't know. You ever, you ever met someone whose spirit just draws you? That was, that was Yvette. And yeah, Eric was nice and so was Nelson. But Yvette had, I was just locked on to Yvette. I'm not sure what it was. I said, Yvette, something's, something's, there's something about you that speaks to my spirit. And as she was going away, she's a hugger like me, you know what I'm saying? So she gave me a hug, said, thank you for praying with us and, and different stuff like that. And the Lord told me to give her these two references. I said, be still and know that I am God. And the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And after that happened and Yvette got in her car and drove away, the Lord started speaking to me again. He said, are you taking your own advice? Are you taking your own advice? Are you going to follow the leading that I'm giving also to you? Because we can get so drawn away by the conditions of this life. And I don't, believe me, I understand how cold this life can be, how much it draws on you as a person, how much it draws on you spiritually and emotionally and physically. And yes, it, the, the life can beat you up. But what I did notice was that focusing on my problems hasn't ever helped me. That one time, 
Not one time when I struggled with my finances did stressing help me. Not one time when someone that I loved was sick did stressing out help me. Not one time when I was going through it did stressing out help me. As a matter of fact, all it did was compound the problem, and I gave power to the enemy. How do you take it away? You get your eyes off of your problem, and you start putting your eyes on God. Do you realize that Peter, and that's one thing, listen to me, Peter, people rag Peter all the time, but I commend him because he's out on the boat, and he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out onto the water. And he's the only one out of all the disciples that actually stepped out of the boat and walked on water toward him. And what happened? The winds were boisterous and the waves were high, but he was walking. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But how do we, how do we identify with Peter in that story? Because when we take our eyes off Christ, we sink. But what was beautiful about that story, the most beautiful thing about that entire passage was this. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and grabbed him. So you walk with Christ, you get close enough to be reached. No one is, listen to me, anybody in this room today that's going through it, I want to say this to you. No one is so far out of reach you're not too far out of reach. I know you're deep in a trial right now, but you're not too far out of reach. I know you're in pain right now, but you're not too far out of reach. I know you're going through it, but listen to me. You are not too far out of reach. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and picked him up. I keep thinking about the passage in the Bible where Jesus Christ is helping people and said, he kept asking this. He'd go to a man, and the man had his hand. His hand was withered, withered hand. He said, will thou stay withered? Stretch forth your hand and be made whole. And for many of us, we allow the problems of our life to cripple us. Jesus Christ said to him, I mean, imagine going to someone who can't walk and saying, how long are you going to stay withered? That might be insulting. Jesus Christ said, no, 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 that's not my purpose, was not to insult, was to tell you that you have the ability to be made whole. And so many times we go through it as children of God and we allow the stresses of our life to cripple us. He says, no, 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 no. I want you to be made whole. But how do you do that? You got to get your eyes off of your problem and get them onto God. Can I hear an amen, church? Number two, verse two. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. Number two, if you're a note-taking person, how to stay afloat. Number two. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that God won't help you. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that God won't help you. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall keep, and ye shall hold your peace. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Behold, I am with you all the way until the end of the world. The Bible says that God is immutable. He does not change. I am the Lord. I change not. And he says that if he promised to be with you, he's there. He told the disciples, he said, I've got to go away now. They said, no, don't go, don't go. He said, it is expedient for you that I go. It is expedient for you that I go because if I don't go, the comforter cannot come unto you. That Holy Spirit that indwells you from the moment of salvation is what sticks with you all the way through your life. You never go through the, lily, or go through the valley by yourself. You never go through the valley by yourself. You never go through the storm by yourself. You never go through the fire by yourself. I see people in scripture all the time going through problems and in, in some way, shape, or form, 
The Lord is there. When Joseph was stuck in that dungeon because they forgot about him, the Lord was with Joseph. When those Hebrew children were walking to the furnace and they were afraid for their lives, did we not cast three men in the furnace? We did, but there's a fourth one and he looks like the son of God. Listen to me, you're not alone. Though my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Don't let that devil, don't let that flesh, don't let this world tell you that God won't help you. As a matter of fact, God wants you to live a victorious Christian life. He wants you to make it through your trials. He wants you to make it through your storms. He wants you to make it through all the things in life that, 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 that depress you, that try to take away your joy. He says, listen to me, you have a cheat code that this world does not have, and it's me. The Alpha and Omega, me. The one who used his hands and, and hollowed out the waters of the earth, me. The one who threw the stars in the sky and knew them all by name, that was me. The one who knows all the hairs on your head, that's me. The one who walks with you and talks with you and tells you that I am his own, hey, that is me. Do not let this world, do not let this trials, don't let the, the pain of this world, don't let any of that stop you from thinking that God is, is, has done away with me. That is not true. And the devil is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. You know you can't trust your emotions? You can't trust your emotions? You know one thing I've learned about Xavier Small? Is that storms make me stupid sometimes. Storms make me stupid. That's been one of my, one of my many mottos. Don't let the storm make you stupid. And you say, Pastor, what does that mean? It means don't allow what's happening in your life to deter you from what you know about God. From the fact that he's been there with you through all of your trials, to the fact that he has the, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can pay for this one small thing, for the, 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 that he is powerful enough to take over this ailment or this struggle or this trial, and that his grace is sufficient. See, what happens when we go through storms is we forget all that God has done in our lives. We get clouded vision. We get clouded vision. And sometimes I look at people that are hurting. And sometimes I look at people who are not. Sometimes you see some people who have just amazing, like they're, they're just in tune with God, just in tune with them. And I said this to my wife a couple days ago. I said, that's because turmoil is a powerful motivator. Turmoil is a powerful motivator. It's, it's a... It's something that, that, uh, that, that projects you into worship. It, it, you're already raw and you're dealing with your feelings and you don't really care who sees that you're crying. You ever had those days, ladies, where you're just not having it, so you don't put on any makeup, you don't do your hair, you just wear whatever, you don't really care. You go through those days, you go through those times, and that happens in life when we finally get stripped raw and we're down to rock bottom. That, that's the place where God can say, now will you wake up? Now will you rely on me? Now will you allow me to bring you to the place that I wanted to bring you. But don't let that devil trick you into thinking that God won't help. That won't help. That's how he got Eve in the garden. He got her to do what he does with us a lot of times, and which is what? Try to convince us that God will not hold true to his word. Try to convince us that God is holding out on us. Try to convince us that there is nothing here for us and that nothing will, make, will come of our future. What he'll do is he'll tell you that you're a failure. He'll tell you that you're worthless. 
He'll tell you that you will never be someone that God loves. He'll tell you all those things. He's going to let you fall into that sin and then just pounce on you, man. Pour salt in the wound. But whether you're going through it because someone else has done something to you, or whether you're going through it because life is just doing what life does, do not let your trials tell you that God won't help you. Because when Potiphar's wife lied on Joseph, got him in trouble, Potiphar kicked him out of the house, sent him to jail, when the baker forgot about him, when his brothers threw him into slavery, when all these other things happened. You know what, what was the best part about all of that? Was that God was with Joseph. Almost his entire life he felt isolated, except for the fact that he was never alone in the first place. Don't let your trials try to tell you that God won't help you. Number one, get your eyes off of your problem and onto God. Number two, don't let that devil trick you into thinking that God won't help you. Number three, the third thing in staying afloat, be at peace because God has it all under control. Be at peace because God has it under control. The, everything in my life is a variable. Everything. But the one major constant in my life is the fact that God does not change. That God is sovereign. What, is that, what does the word sovereign mean? The word sovereign means that God ultimately, whether for good or for bad, has it all under control. He never loses control. Yeah, we're talking about Satan this morning and how he was cast from heaven. Satan can only do stuff on this earth because God gave him permission to. He was only able to tempt Job because God gave him permission to. And if you read the story of Job, as Job is getting just beat down, there are still stipulations on what the devil can and cannot do. All the way through, God can say, you can do this, but you can't do that. You can do this, and you can't do that. And Satan could do everything but he could do all those different things, but he had to obey the Lord. He had to obey the Lord. You know, your trials have to obey the Lord. Your storms have to obey the Lord. The way that you're feeling has to come. That's why the Bible says to cast down every imagination and every high thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You got to cast those down before the Lord where they belong in a place of subjection. But be at peace because God is sovereign. I feel like I quote this verse every week, but I don't really care. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to keep saying it till you memorize it, till, till it's a whole chorus of y'all quoting it with me. Because it's so profoundly simple. God commands us not to worry. We have to fight panic when taking in water. Um, I'm a pretty good swimmer. But even the strongest swimmers can get swept out by a rip current. Sometimes it's the undertoes, that, that, the, the underwater current that can draw you under. And the lifeguard management, they say the best way for you to combat that is not to fight the current, to swim with it. The more you struggle, the more it's going to bring you down, the more it's going to, to consume you. Anybody here ever go to the beach? 
and you go out and you, pray, you play in the water. And usually, like normal people, you start, here's your stuff, and you go down to the water, and you go and you, you're hanging out, and then you look back, and your stuff is way over there. Anyone ever notice that? You're like, huh? My stuff get all the way over there. That current slowly moving you away from your stuff. In life, that current is going to slow you, slowly move you away from your stuff. And the trick is not to fight it because you fight it, it's going to, you just do what you're supposed to do. And the Lord is going to come and draw you out of that current. And yeah, it may mean that you get down the road a little while and you have to walk half a mile back to your stuff, but you got out. You didn't drown. The key, church, to staying afloat is not panicking. You can't panic because when you panic, you make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, you die. That's how that works. Spiritually, anyway. You got to be careful. You start struggling with that current. It's going to take you down. You can't let it do that. You have to be at peace because God's going to take it. Listen to me. Sometimes you have to get in the word and pep talk yourself. Anybody here talk to yourself sometimes? Come on, Xavier. Come on. I do it. Zay, if you don't get right, boy, I'd be, I'd be reprimanding myself, church. Talk to myself and say, man, if you don't, come on, man. You know better than that. You know where I got that from? I got it from David. He said, when I, he, and, and I can't quote it for verbatim, so I'm going to paraphrase, but he says, man, when I get alone and I get on my bed and I encourage myself in the Lord, sometimes I can get up here and preach my little heart out and it won't do anything for you. The podcasts that you listen to during the week, they won't do anything for you. The Christian radio that you listen to, it won't do anything for you. The, the worship music you love to play every single day, it won't do anything for you. Sometimes it may mean getting alone in your closet and just saying, God, deal with it. But one thing that I'm not going to do is panic. Finances are going to be a problem sometimes, but I won't panic. Sometimes sickness will plague my life, but it's not going to, I'm not going to panic. I'm going to, sometimes it may think, because all of those things are out of your control. If it's worth it, if it's at a place where it's stressing you out, it's probably out of your control. Which means if it's too heavy for you to carry it, you probably should get someone that can do that. It just so happens that I know a guy. We've got to stop panicking. There are people in this room right now, and you're panicking. Life is doing what it's doing, and you're, and you're panicking, and that's causing you to make mistakes. And if you're not careful, it's going to draw you under that current. And once it gets you under there, it is so hard to get back up. It is so hard to get back up. You never Remember, you're never too far below, but you don't want to start digging yourself into a hole where you don't even have long enough rope to get out of it. You got to be careful. And understand that everything, everything that you go through is either a trial or a temptation. Either way, they should be handled the very same way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall to diverse temptation at the trying of your faith. Work is patience. Maybe some of y'all are going through it right now and you're taking in water because you're impatient with God. And you won't move at his speed. You got to be careful. Don't panic. God is going to take care of it because he always does.
Number one, you want to stay afloat? You got to get your eyes off your problem and onto God. Number two, you want to stay afloat? Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that God won't help you. Number three, you want to stay afloat? You have to be at peace and understand that God has it all under control. And fourthly and lastly, if you want to stay afloat, you got to let God pick your chin up. You have to let God pick your chin up. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I laid me down and I slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. You'll be shocked at how running to the Lord helps you. We're so prone to just hang our head down in defeat. And that's right when God says, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't do that. Don't do that. You hold, you hold your head up. Don't do that. Don't let, don't let this life, don't let this life do that to you. Don't let it do it. You know what it's like when you're stressing out. You can't sleep. You toss. You turn. You know what, a, you know what, you know what it means when you can have a good night's sleep? It means peace. When's the last time you had that? When's the last time you were able to, to lay down and just out? Can you remember the last time you didn't toil and struggle in your sleep? Or wake up with nightmares or sweating your sheets? Do you remember a, do you ever remember, do you remember a time when you went to bed and you weren't worried? I'll share this with you and then I'm done. You guys remember way back in the beginning when I first when I first became the pastor and we were talking about our thought life. Remember that? And how your thoughts are just like cancer? And the first stage of your thoughts is an action, right? That's that little seed. But then after the action, the action becomes a habit, right? Something that, something that can, you're starting to make a pattern of, right? Starting to make a pattern of. And then the habit ends up becoming a part of your what? Your nature, right? And that was likened to cancer because the farther down you go in cancer, the harder it is to reverse. Stage one becomes stage two. Stage two becomes stage three. Stage three becomes stage four. And can stage four cancer be cured? It's happened. It's rare. That's why you have to cast those thoughts down before they get that deep. Because the majority of the people that I know that have walked away from Christ was because something happened in their life. And the way they dealt with it pulled them away. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because there's going to come a point in life where your boat that's been keeping you nice, safe, and secure starts to take in water. And you have a couple of options. You can stay in there and let the current do what it does and then let it just bring you out where it's supposed to bring you with the Lord's help. You could struggle and fight against it and drown, or you could give up. 
And in this room, we have people in all three categories. And all three categories. But the one thing that never changes is the fact that my lifeguard walks on water. That he's the, blessed, the best flotation device out there. The supernatural Coast Guard. And he's in your corner. David started off Psalm 3 by saying, as a matter of fact, if we look at it, Brother Johnny, we're going to read that. Verse 1. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Now, can we go to the very last verse of the, of the, of the chapter? The salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessings is upon thy people. Selah. Go back one more. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken down the teeth of the ungodly. One more. I will not be afraid of ten thousand. You, you, you see the language change? Do you see the language change? He starts off complaining and being in terror about what's going on in his life, and he quickly transitions to that God's got it. He's taken down my enemies. He is, he's breaking down the teeth of those that speak against him. He's, he's, he's laying me down and allowing me to sleep in peace because I'm sustained because that salvation belonged to the Lord. I'm not here to just give you some cliche message. I'm here to tell you that, yes, you will take in water. But what will you do when that happens? Because I don't know about you, but my plan is to stay afloat. Amen? Let's pray.